0: Welcome to Transformative Talk. Each episode is hosted by a different graduate student in Dr. Haddad's courses at the University of Texas in San Antonio. Join us today as we explore how educators can use critical social theories to transform themselves and their classrooms. Educators can get real and share real-life experiences, near misses, and big little wins.
1: Hello there, this is Eliana Barajas. Um, I'm a third grade dual language teacher, but this year I am moving to fourth grade dual language, so I'm very excited, and I teach at Northeast at Almost Elementary.
0: My name is Deanna. I'm a high school biology teacher, and I am also an assistant soccer and cross-country coach.
2: And I am Sarah. I am a second grade math teacher.
1: Your host for this episode of Transformative Talk. In this episode, we're gonna talk about civics education, where it's gone and how we can get it back into our
0: schools. Um, So our conversation this week about um, civic education uh, is particularly important, given that this year is an election year. Um, So we have our big presidential election coming up in November. Um, In addition, we've had a summer of protests on major issues like Black Lives Matter, police brutality, we've got issues like student visas, what is that gonna look like in the fall, immigration issues, we've had coronavirus going on. Um, So many people are feeling frustrated whether at their local or national level. So what are our options and what does this have to do with civic education? So obviously the biggest thing for that is voting. So when we talk about how do we develop voters, we talk about civic education. Um, So our first question is, what is civic education?
1: So when I think of civics education, personally, I I just think about uh, I guess a citizen knowing your rights, knowing what um, uh, sorry my main just went like I guess like knowing what you are entitled to as being a citizen of the United States, knowing like knowing the history and the present, and just knowing um, everything that's going on in the world. And I feel like civics education has kind of just gone. of blank for a while and we'll get into that further on into this podcast
0: yeah Yeah. it's also knowing like like uh, i think on like a basic level like the branches of government and what they do what they function and also like um like at a local level like if you have an issue like if your road has a pothole in it like what are you supposed to do where can you go who's supposed to answer those questions for you
1: yeah and like another question that i had was like why is civic education an important subject for students like so I'm gonna answer my own question so I'm so sorry so I think like, it's very important for, for students because I feel that they need to know like who runs who runs our government at a local community or you know the whole state or um, you know nation nationwide and I feel like a lot of the students really don't care and you know when we look at like what's going on in the classrooms like at high school or middle school levels you know civic education is a chance for those students voices to be heard and sometimes I feel that those voices aren't heard or they're not able to share their opinions freely. And one of the readings that we did, I was reading that, you know, mainly the Caucasian students had the opportunity to share their thoughts and, you know, voice their opinion while the minorities like the Africans or Hispanics students really were kind of not really given the opportunity and they were kind of they couldn't really express themselves. And like, um, when I think of my personal experiences in school, like I'm growing up i've I guess my parents were Hispanic, they were first uh, generation immigrants here in the United States, so they were you know they were straight from Mexico, so I guess growing up, they didn't really put an emphasis on my civil civic education like no, they never talked to me about the presidents, the government like i I grew up do, uh, knowing really nothing. And once I started going to school, like middle school and high school, I think that I really didn't care. I mean, maybe, uh, I don't, my middle school teachers in history, I truly don't even remember learning anything. And the only thing I truly remember in high school, I mean, I remember we sit there, but they would just give us work papers and fill it out, you know, do this, do that. And most of my uh, teachers in high school are male football coaches. But I mean, in my personal opinion, on don't mean a stereotype, but I feel like their main goal was coaching and they kind of, I think as, you know, as a, to be a high school teacher, you have to, if you want to be a coach, you have to be certified, certified in the content area as well. So I think they did, took history just, just to do something. And I feel like, you know, they kind of didn't really teach me anything. So like right now, once I graduated, I felt like, you know, I really didn't know anything. So I had a, I struggled to learn and Get Involved in learning the purpose of voting. So that's my personal experience. From-
2: okay, so growing up when I took civics in high school I don't recall if it was a year uh, worth of curriculum or if it was just half of a year But I do remember that it was very just textbook based. I didn't I feel like I didn't learn anything and similar to Eliana is that I had, you know um, Coaches that were my teachers and so I didn't They weren't I think wanting to do or go beyond the curriculum or the text that's provided. They just wanted to say, hey, read this chapter, answer these questions. So I feel that I didn't retain anything.
1: I wonder if that's that kind of still happens right now in the high school level, I'm curious.
0: Yeah, I had a kind of a similar experience to, um, to both of you guys. Um, I ha- Mine was only a one semester class. So like, what, three months? And it was very much like Sarah said, um, very much like just kind of question and answer and it was very more about like the structure of the government um versus what my role as a citizen is so i think i kind of left high school thinking that like my responsibility as a citizen begins and ends with like showing up to a voting poll in november every year and like that's it i only have to do it you know every other year and it ends right there so I think that's, that's kind of, I am curious to know if, especially given as, as much, as many more voices are heard nowadays, if that's changed or if it's still the same, I'm not sure.
1: So I know you say you were a coach, right, Dana? Mm-hmm. By any chance, just a, a random question. Um, so I, I know that Sarah and I said that, you know, most of our teachers were were like male, um, male football coaches. Do you think that's true or do you disagree with that?
0: Um, I mean, I know, I know several coaches who are also history teachers. I don't know if they teach like the, the, like the specific Mm -hmm. branch of history that they teach, but yes, I do know, I do know several, um, coaches who are also history teachers. And, um, I think that we live in this weird world where like, especially in Texas, there's such a focus on like, particularly football that it like, it kind of makes sense that like a football coach would focus so much on football, but that's like the structure of our school is like everything revolves around football. So it like, it makes sense that the education part takes a second, you know, a backseat to football. That's just, unfortunately, that's our life in Texas. (laughs)
2: That's true. So my next question would be, why do you think civics is not treated as valuable as other subjects such as math, reading, or science?
1: Well, I guess because people, I don't know. I I truly don't know. Maybe they don't think it's important, but like, um, like we said, like everything that's been going on today, especially this year with like all the riots, all the protests, I think people are starting to realize like, hey, my rights, and I was looking at an article that they're like, oh, you know, the government's trying to take away our rights, like, you know, and I feel like people are lost and they don't know what to do. And they're asking like, hey, like, what's up with this generation? Why aren't they not, you know, doing their part? And I'm like, well, you train us to be doing like math, you know, math, reading, science. I mean, when you ask us about history, it's like, well, I mean, this whole year is like, we we never took it serious at a high school level. So, I mean, I really don't know why. I mean, I really do think it should be treated even more valuable than math, reading or science,
0: personally. Um, I know one of the readings we did this week brought up the fact that uh, No Child Left Behind in 2002 only requires assessments on like math, reading and science. And so with all of this high stakes focused on math, re- reading or English and science, it would make sense that, you know, if, if schools are being graded on those three things that they're only gonna focus on those, on those things. things. So like art is also gonna take a backseat um, civics education history in general also seems to have taken a back seat. So I think that could be another reason is just the policy has changed. Yeah, and I the, go,
2: go, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I think if we maybe tested on it, and it was a required test that maybe they would, you know, change the way they teach it and everybody would be more driven to retain that. And
1: then when I was looking at our, our classmates' uh, journals, um, I found one that Samantha had um, stated. She said that, the I'm gonna quote what she wrote. She said, the district and principals teach teachers to teach social studies after state testing is done. So I guess basically, it's you know even at elementary level, I know she does fifth grade, You know, it, even with me, like they're like, you know what, you know, focus on math, reading, all you, know, you need to focus on history. I mean, we teach it once a day, so like, it's kind of just been pushed back. And after we take the, the test, I think we have like three or four weeks before um, the break ends. Okay, now try to draw as much of your history that you can in those four weeks, when it's clearly not possible. And um, also, I saw that Erin uh, Sanders, she's a high school teacher, and she also says that it that it irritates her. That she says that people complain about social studies or civics being taught less in schools, but then devote attention to uh, to it instead of just other subjects. So. I feel a lot of people feel the same way that we do within, um, about this subject in schools. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So how is civic education being taught in schools today? Mm,
1: I really don't think it's really being taught, to be honest. I mean, I try to incorporate as much as I can, but I'm very limited to the Ability that I have, like I always try to do it and I was uh, talked about to someone about this another day that when I look at like my third grade curriculum. It's like we spend about eight, nine weeks just talking about community community helpers and stuff that kids have already learned and stuff that's been like emphasized in first and second grade that I feel like, you know, we need to be teaching a little bit more civics, but obviously on their level. So, I mean, I really, I don't really think it's being taught very well, especially at a middle school or high school level.
0: Um, I also, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm a science teacher, so I'm not exactly, I don't really know what's going on in the um, history classes at my school, to be honest, which probably, unfortunate. Um, but I will say that um, I don't really see a lot of opportunities for like student voices at a lot of the different schools that I've taught at over the years. Um, I've had students come to me with complaints about many different things that they just didn't like or thought was unfair. And there was just no avenue for them to explore fixing that, which is very much, I think, connects to like how people feel about society, right? Like when you have an issue with what's going on in our government or um, what do you do? And so I think that kind of mirrors like I, I see that playing out in schools as well. So that makes me wonder if like even the school structure just isn't really teaching kids what to do when you have a problem.
1: In second grade, Sarah, do they um, do they really focus on, I guess like the critical, like what are they focusing on in second
2: grade? For so history? for history-wise, I'm not very knowledgeable about that since I teach math and I only oh, teach sorry. math. Um, okay, but okay. I will say that we, on my campus that we have the kids transition from math to reading. Reading is about, you know, three hours long or so. Math is about an hour and 15 for math. Um, And then after that, they go to like their specials class or like extension. So they might be doing PE or art. And so, and so I don't really know exactly when they would implement social studies. I want to say that they do implement some types of readings so some text in their reading classes but there isn't like strict focus on it
1: wow these said three hours of reading
2: oh yes. my god this poor <laughs> <four> kids
0: <gasps>
1: so crazy oh my god that is awesome do y'all
0: find the uh, do y'all find that y'all's young kids ever ask you questions about things going on
1: they do i mean mine are very interested in it, especially when we, like when we talk about like mlk like they're just so interested about like Oh, they, they don't know about it. And I think like most of my kids, because they are first generation here as well, like me, they don't, they don't know. So when we watch videos and clips about like Martha Luther King about the civil rights, that like, they didn't know that Africans, Americans were treated the same way. They didn't know like certain things occurred. So I mean, they're always asking and I'm very curious to go back this uh, fall, just to see with everything that's happened with the rights and everything, just to see what they're gonna be asking me or, guess their opinion on it it's actually very interesting because some of them are very knowledgeable so I'm just like oh
2: yeah so my kids don't ask any questions about it but I guess it's probably also because they walk into my class they know this is math so we're gonna Mm -hmm. learn and just do math so that's probably why they don't ask me those types of questions Um, so because I don't really know what social studies is being like taught in our school exactly in the lower grades I did some research and I found this website and it's uh, called the Center for American Progress. And they focus on just improving um, the lives of Americans. So they're just kind of finding issues, how to, you know, um, get policies set in place and just, you know, to make a change, right? And they had a 2018 article that they made and they gave a 2016 survey and it was about civics and education. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So, and I, and in that article, they said, that 26% of Americans can name all three branches of government. Wow. I mean, when I first read that, I thought to myself, well, what are the three branches of government? Do I even remember? Let me focus. (laughs) Right. Um, And then further on, on that article, it also has all the states and their requirements. So like some, it alternates between like half a year to a full year of civics, but only nine states require one full year. Wow. And... 10 states don't require it at all, yeah, that's, that's the problem right there.
0: Yeah,
1: I I know, then people are wondering, like, hey, what's going on? Well,
2: I mean, look at how you're
1: treating it and integrating this into your education system, like, it's not, we can't do anything, like, you need a, I mean, we can, but, I mean, there's only a certain amount of things that we can do within the classroom that could help that, holy moly, I'm actually very curious to see how we gave a, for our facilitation, we did a quick um, civic civics asses- assessment and 10 questions so I'm very curious to see how um, they did. Let's see if they're able to answer those questions. Once. I'll check them once we, um, at the end of the week to see how they did.
2: Yeah, I agree. That's going to be very interesting to see. <laughs> um, so we will be back after the break to talk about how we as educators can enhance our students' understanding of civics through Action Civics.
1: Welcome back to this week's Transformative Talk. I'm Eliana.
0: Deanna. And Sarah. Um, so our next our next topic is um, so while it's great to teach students about civics um, in the school day, um, how do we ensure that they're actually going to turn out to vote during election time or turn up to different city council meetings or get involved in their communities? Um, according to fairvote.com, um, the 2016 election had about a 60% turnout. Um, then, according to electproject.org, of that sixty percent, only about forty percent of eighteen to twenty-nine-year-olds voted. Um, so it seems, um, since you know that's the age right out to, right out of high school, it seems that grade school, high school, elementary school, middle school—that's our time to like double down on helping these kids get out there to vote. Um, so that brings me to my first question: on how can we? you know, ensure and increase our voter turnout is um, what is Action Civics? Um, so I guess I'll start um, with what is Action Civics. Um, um, as defined by the National Action Civics Collaborative, um, it's an organization, Action Biz- Action Civics is designed to create an engaged citizenry capable of effective participation in the political process. Um, so basically, Um, It encourages students to actually do civics rather than just learn about civics. Um, So it's a lot of like service-learning projects, getting out in their community, how can they address different issues?
2: Yeah, so just practicing through experiences. So just applying what they're learning.
1: I mean, even with me, I know we do every year like third, fourth, and fifth, you know, we kind of take part kind of in a little mini election for student council. So, you know, every, every year, the class, you know, we, a teacher, we pick, you know, like two or three, uh, three to four students that would, you know, be good for, you know, f- to run the student, ca- be on board with them. So I feel like, you know, we try to implement a little, a little bit in that sense, you know, the kids have to make posters, they have to write essays, kind of like in a little election, they have to, um, I guess persuade why they should be elected and it's actually they they love it and then when it comes to elections, it's like oh they could say like you know you have to vote for who you like like who's going to benefit you the most and then I guess I try to kind of tie that a little bit in that in that, in that sense of like hey like you know in real life once you know once you turn 18 you're able to do this and vote and get educated so it's like you know once you get older you you know you have this responsibility
0: um, one of our readings talked about um, Action Civics is being um, like, th- three, a three dimension inquiry, uh, like a three-dimension inquiry like cycle. Um, so it involves students examining their community, then they're supposed to choose an issue, then they're supposed to research the issue and set a goal. Um, they are supposed to analyze power, so what power structures are involved, um, develop strategies, and then finally take action to affect that policy. And it's just a continuous cycle of then reexamining the community, choosing another issue, um, and uh, some of the things that in the readings that we read about this week that it talked about was that it, as, as students go through this, this arc and as they participate in Action Civics, um, they come up with more and more resources in their communities, so then they learn who's in charge of different committees, and the more in times that they go through this, this inquiry arc, The more informed they are about their own communities, and then the more informed they are about their communities, the more likely they are to continue um, engaging in civic action. Um, So it's got, uh, action civics in doing this in school would be a great way to increase student participation in their own communities.
1: Definitely. Um, So I had another question, so as a a society, how can we use action civics and other strategies to improve civic education in schools? I guess, how can we improve the situation that we're in? How can we make it better with this-
0: Um, uh, So I guess uh, I'll first talk about action civics. Um, I really like, I, in some of the readings we read about, they were one particular. Um, they talked about how a group of students, they had this wall in their school that had um, like bullet holes in it. And it was just like a, like a fallen down wall and just not looking very good. And so they went through this process and um, actually... Uh, we're trying to address, like, how to get this wall taken down. So I think that that's, like, one um, like one aspect that we can improve civic education. So
2: one of our students, um, Stella, she had a quote related to it. It says, through a classroom discussion, students were able to experience an authentic exchange of ideas that went beyond state recitations and merit the vibrant talk we enjoy outside the classroom.
1: So she also said that she had, um, I guess, what her in her class. She did a couple of uh, Socratic seminars, and actually, think those are pretty cool and awesome. And she said when she implemented that with her kids, you know, that her kids didn't want to leave. You know, they would, you know, the bell the bell would ring, and they would stay there because you know they wanted to have those discussions. So I feel that one way that we can improve as a society is you know, and our teachers giving, uh, taking an interest in that, you know, she didn't have to do Socratic seminars, but, you know, she did, like, it wasn't in the curriculum, but that's a, that's a good way, and also, like, pro- maybe providing a lot of professional developments, as well as teachers, and showing different methods and ways to engage, and, and I know there's, like, several topics that they're a little difficult to talk about or discuss, but I mean, it's good, and I feel like we could be, you know, take those chances and you know go for it. I mean what's the worst that can happen.
2: Yeah, so I think that so basically we need to go beyond the curriculum, go beyond what is being told us for us to teach. So need to find that way to build a connection because once students are invested, they're going to want to continue that investment.
1: Do you think teachers are scared to go beyond the curriculum because maybe their principals will get be, you know, upset with them?
2: I think that it definitely that plays a role. Just, of course, depending on the principal, but I think it also depends on the structure of the school and the priorities they have in place. So if that's on the back burner, like in the younger grades, if they're only being taught social studies, like what, 30 minutes a day at most, or let's say a test goes long in another subject, oh, well, that's okay. We didn't really need to teach about social studies for 30 minutes a day anyway. It's kind of just pushed to the side. So I think it just us as educators need to find a way to just go beyond because this is important. We already figured that out. It is important, even as us as, as adults, we probably struggle to participate in our own society right now, and so we need to make sure that we are changing this so it's better for the kids in the future.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what you just said, I mean, I'm guilty. I'm not going to lie, like, you know, back before I, took, and I mean, I always knew that socialism was important, but, like, there's been times, like, in the past when I first started teaching, like, hey, you didn't finish this math test but i need you to finish this math test just you know during social studies go outside and finish it and i've i deny the opportunity for someone and then i'm like okay i can't be doing that like it's, it's important but like you know my friends have always been like you gotta do your math 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 like get these scores i'm like um so you know to me and then social studies is more like especially for like bilingual kids it's a little difficult because they just taught in english for them so it's like you know everything's like guided work it's all group work so it's like okay i I found it easy to just go outside and finish your test and, you know, you'll catch up later. I mean, that's horrible of me, but I mean, I mean, I realized what I did and I know it's not good because I, can't, I should be, I shouldn't be taking that opportunity from my study.
0: Another thing that I, um, I picked up on in one of the readings was kind of like a restructuring <laughs> of the curriculum is. Um, so one of the readings talked about how like not necessarily teaching like particularly like for us U.S. history, like in like a sequential like timeline of like this happened, this happened, this happened. And it, it they talked about the input from students of learning things more about like a specific topic. So, for example, just focusing on like maybe slavery through civil rights through like maybe connected to what we have today with Black Lives Matter and police brutality and like learning about that as like a whole issue versus like breaking it up into like just learning about everything that's happened in the United States through all of that time. Um, Some students said that that was actually more um, engaging for them and that they like learned more about history by learning about like just like a topic at a time. But I know we teach history very much like a timeline of just these are all the things that happened in the 60s and these are all the things that happened in the 70s versus keeping it to like, a unit, you know, like a thematic unit. So that's another yeah. thing we could do.
1: And I'm just curious, like, I guess with everything that's been going on, especially this year, I wonder if students are going to take, especially like a high school and middle school over, going to have a little bit more interest and more things to say now and actually care a little bit more. I mean, with everything that's like, you know, the police brutality, Black Lives Matter, everything that's happened, I'm just curious to see if there's going to be a change in society. I mean, with the protests, like everyone was, you know, they saw that, hey, like back then, you know, civil rights movements, you know, with MLK tried to do all these things. And obviously, we're still experiencing the same things now. Has really anything changed? So I'm wondering if they're going to be, you know, invested and eager to learn, you know,
2: talk about this. Yeah, I'm interested to see if that would have some type of impact on them. However, everything that's going on, us as teachers, we're usually there by their their side and we're like influencing them daily. But when we switch to distance learning, we're not really interacting with them as much. So this then falls on the people that surround them every day at home, their parents. So yes, their coronavirus is you know um, crazy. And then Black Lives Matter, everything is going on. And it's just like, are the parents talking to their children about what's going on? Or are they just ignoring it? I think that's going to really shape the way if they talk about it in the future in class. Like, is it really going to change anything if they don't know about it?
1: That's true. And I don't mean, I mean, if I had a kid right now, I'm person. I mean, I don't have kids, but if I did, I'd be like, oh, I don't know, like, I would have to go back and research myself because, I mean, I'm not, there's some things I'm still, you know, unclear with. I have to look up some stuff. I'd be like, I'm so sorry, like, I, don't, I can't help you. that's going to be very interesting to see how parents are going to be addressing these issues with distance learning.
0: So then to follow up on that, um, how can we engage our students in the upcoming election? Obviously they're not of the age of voting, right, but if we want them to turn out to elections and get involved when they are of age, um, how are we going to engage them this fall with distance learning in mind because in San Antonio at least we're not starting until later, so, in other states I know aren't going back at all, um, Mm -hmm. so how are we going to engage them, and through this election, in case that their parents maybe aren't, maybe their parents are working and can't, you know, aren't as available to talk to them about stuff?
1: Well, um, one thing that I would try to do would maybe, so it's, for me, it's a little bit difficult just because most of them i do work at a title one school and my some of my students don't really have the resources so i'm really hoping that you know each of them will be, i will be able to contact everybody i guess one way to engage them is kind of include them in the election be like hey you know we're gonna vote like you know i guess get them up to date don't try to hire like hey you know it's gonna be biden versus trump again like let's let's vote let's have a let's have an election in our class you know you don't have to say who you're voting for or what and I guess it's a little difficult because I mean they are in fourth grade but I mean just giving them basic facts but you know this is what one person believes like research like you know three points this is a three points you know you're going to be part of it too I guess that's how I would find a way to do it
2: yeah I think that in order to engage them we need to find a way for the students to relate to that election how does it pertain to them really yeah they can't vote but What are the candidates standing for? Can they relate to anything, any of the issues that they're talking about? And then, if they can make a connection to that, then they might be more engaged and more willing, I think.
1: And with the last election, four years ago, with Trump again, uh, it was actually really funny because that was the first time that I heard my kids talking about presidential elections because you know, Trump was a big deal, you know, they are all, my kids were very scared, and they were very worried that he was saying about deporting, dep- deporting, you know, immigrants, and a lot of my kids had a lot to say, so I feel like, you know, this time around, I feel like if we were able to do it, I would be very curious to see what their point of view is, or just in general, like, their conversations, what are your opinions, what do you think? Just kind of, you know, you can you can express yourself freely here. I'm not here to judge. Like, these, that's your opinion. I'm not gonna try to change you. So, just them having that personal experience and share their thoughts with everybody, and kind of just like, hey, this is what you do. You know, you express yourself. You learn, and that's it. That's your opinion.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think especially thinking about at least for right now, the first three weeks of doing distance learning, I think making sure to have like downtime. I think for me on our, like, we're going to we're supposed to have synchronous meetings online on Zoom with our students, and so I think for me, like, making sure to leave, you know, five, ten minutes at the beginning or the end for students to, like, check in with them, like, hey, did you read anything in the news, and, um, because I remember in the spring, um, with coronavirus, especially because there was so much that wasn't, no, nope, we didn't know about it, the students were, like, so interested in getting into, like, me, because I was their biology teacher into my Zoom, and talked to me about, like, I read this article, or, like, I don't know if this is true, and so, I think kind of like leaving some like free time to like, what did you, you know, what are you interested in? Or what are you asking questions about? I think is Mm -hmm. something that we can also do to help like, uh, what's the word, like nurture if they're interested in anything. Definitely.
2: Yes. So to close out our podcast today, what is one thing we will do in our classroom to support civic education? So I think that, in my classroom, very hard enough with the younger kids, but I feel that maybe I can get them to practice voting for something, right? Maybe it's going to be about a question that we can answer out loud, or maybe it can be about what the prize is for that week to earn. So I think that way that they can just vote, they're practicing, and I think it would be good for them.
1: Yeah, and like for me, I guess guess for me, I would try to start off my morning with just, you know, basic questions like, hey, like, what's going on today? Like, what's going on in our world, you know, with, especially right now with elections, and just kind of incorporate that in everyday kind of thing. Like, let them express themselves, let them, you know, tell me about your, tell me what you're thinking, what are your opinions in certain situations. And then when I'm able to teach my history lessons, I'm going to try very, very hard to, you know, not let science takeover because we do uh history twice a day I mean twice a week and then the other are are science so try to make it even so that's what that would be one of my goals to include civic education in my classroom
0: um and then for me um I do have high schoolers so I they're probably on social media a lot more than some (laughs) of the younger kids and Um, So I think for me, when they come with kind of questions about some of the issues that maybe they know a lot about, maybe they don't know a lot about, um, for me, I think I want to kind of have like lists or organizations or resources for them to learn more about issues, because I can't pretend to be an issue. I mean, an expert on every issue. (laughs) But I think for me, I want to direct my students to like when they do have questions about stuff, where can they get more information? So I think that's more where my focus will be on is like, how can I help them get the information that they need? True. Sure. Um, so to learn more about this topic, um, you can check out websites like generationcitizen.org and actioncivicscollaborative.org to join to learn more about Action Civics and other resources that teachers can use in their classrooms um, with students. Um, iCivics is another website where they have um, activities, games, um, lesson plans that are even specifically designed for this distance learning period. Um, You can also check out ballotready.org where you can find information about the presidential candidates as well as local candidates so that you can make a more informed decision in the 2020 election.
2: So that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you
0: discovered our show. That's all for now, but I'll see you in the next episode of the Transformative Talk. Bye.